Amen. Good morning. Thanks. Well, thanks for being here this morning. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to show you a vid video here. Last week, uh, the kids, led by Pastor Boomer and Amy DeLang, uh, practiced sharing the gospel. And so uh, Levi's going to start a video here of uh, Parker Stone sharing. Being rich, or drugs, or and alcohol, or even being a bully, or something like that. We couldn't escape this without anyone's help. So he sent his son, Jesus, and when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he Hulk smashed sin meaning like he erased sin from existence. And then if you T and B, which that means turn and believe in him, you'll make Jesus your king. And you'll become a new person. Oh, that's three circles. That was Parker, and all our kids practiced sharing the gospel last Sunday. And I, I, I wanted to share that with you because as we've been going through Romans, and today's our final Sunday in Romans, we have seen the, the profound and complex beauty of the gospel, but it's also incredibly simple. And even a, a child can communicate it with power and conviction. And the, the letter of Romans started out by saying that it, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. This message is what we need. It's what our world needs desperately. And so praise God for our children. And my prayer is that we all will share this amazing good news everywhere we go. Um, maybe this year you've lost a loved one. I was thinking as we were singing, I think two songs we sang this morning said, The Grave is no longer has power over us. We sang we came out of the grave. With the gospel, we have resurrection hope. Death doesn't have the final say. We believe Jesus has the final say. And his final word is a word of life, of hope, resurrection. Um, this week, uh, we'll remember Pastor Steve Balsley uh, passed away two years ago. But we don't mourn without hope. I want to just read a couple things that Steve said and were, are written on his gravestone. He said, fear nothing, be less busy, stuff has little value, don't worship idols, heaven is awesome, don't fight God's plan, love God, abide in Christ. Beautiful words that Pastor Steve left us. 
to live in this gospel resurrection hope. As we wrap up Romans, we're going to be in Romans chapter 16, and I'm going to ask you to stand in verse 25, and we're going to do something a little different today. This, these verses are what we call a doxology. They're, they're meant to be um, a, a word of praise, of adoration to our God. And so what I'd like to do is read them all together. So we're going to read in unison all together. The, the word should be on the screen. And so let's read God's word together. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Praise God for his word. So there's a few things as we wrap up Romans, and I'm so excited to jump into the book of Jonah with you starting next week. Uh, an amazing, beautiful, challenging story for us to really understand who God is and what he's about. But as we spend this last uh, few minutes meditating on Romans together, uh, I want to draw our attention to a few things here in this doxology. Verse 25, the word that stands out to me is now to him who is able to establish. Now in some of your translations, as you read that, it has the word strengthen, established, strengthened. And it refers to the gospel. And we're going to talk a little bit about that gospel, that message, that good news of Jesus, but I want to pause and, and talk a little bit about established, strengthened. Um, when I began this Romans series, I, I shared an illustration with you out of my own um, remodel in my house of laying tile and not putting a good layer of mortar and next day or a few days later stepping on it and seeing the tiles move <laughs> and saying, uh-oh, <laughs> I didn't establish that tile very well. It was loose. It, it wasn't any good. And so I had to tear it back up and re-put mortar and, and make sure that tile wasn't going to move. And as we've talked about the gospel, this can be a message that we can hear and we can just hear the news, but it doesn't move into our hearts and it doesn't move to a place of establishment. In our hearts. This word establish or, or strengthen has, has everything to do with a, a, a power that's at work. And some other words I thought of is, is rooted, like a, a tree whose roots go deep into the ground. And, and nothing, even a powerful wind or a snow, isn't going to move that tree. Or secure, there's a, a deep security. Tom just quoted a verse. There, there's no condemnation for those in, who are in Christ. And so those who've received this message, this good news, there's this deep establishment, this deep strength, this rootedness, this security, this identity in Jesus that has marked our lives. And we will never be the same. <laughs> and that is Paul's 
I sense prayer here as we wrap up Romans is that, that this message of Jesus, this good news about Jesus would so establish us, so strengthen us, so root us, give us such security in God that we would be unmoved, unshaken, unswept away by the currents or the things of this world, or even death itself. Even death itself does not move us because we are rooted, established, strengthened in the gospel. My dear brothers and sisters, this is hope. <laughs> this is living hope, a hope that is, is unmovable, unshakable, that sustains us, strengthens us, gives us joy in this life. Even all the, the hardship and the valleys and the brokenness and the shadows that we see in our own lives, none of that compares to the hope that we have in Jesus. And so this message that Jesus is Lord, that he is Savior, that he is, as John the Apostle says, the way, the truth, and the life becomes the marker of our lives. It becomes the, the, the foundation for our lives. And this is what Paul is praying now to him. So God, he's able. Remember we said God's power has been invested into this message. The God who created the stars and the trees and the animals and created you and I and everything we see, everything we know, his power is able to do this. <laughs> and so we're not talking about just working this up or figuring this out. It's not a, a book of how to succeed in being an established Christian. No, this is the work of God. This is, a, as Evan showed that video, an extraordinary work of God. This isn't something ordinary that we can produce on our own. No, this is the work of God in our hearts, in our lives to, to establish us, to strengthen us. And then I, I see here, it says, in accordance with my gospel. Did you catch that? When we began Romans, Paul began the letter by saying the revelation of God's gospel. Do you see that movement through this letter? God revealed it. This isn't something we figured out about God. This is something God has shown us. So it's God's message. It's his word to you and I, to us, to our world, to see what kind of God he is, that he is a God of grace, a God of love, a God of forgiveness, of redemption. But then we see that this is God's gospel, but Paul ends the letter by saying my gospel. Now, you can hear what Parker just shared, you could hear what I've shared so far, you could hear the good news about Jesus, and you could walk away unchanged, because it's just news. But there's a miracle that happens that Paul is saying here, where it moves from being just news to being good news for me. <laughs> and so, no longer is this just God's gospel, it becomes my gospel, it becomes my story. God's story becomes my story. Because my life has been radically changed, transformed by this incredible message, this incredible work of God. And as you read through Romans and as you study it and as you understand it, as you understand the message, it grips your heart and you cannot leave the same. I have a story, you have a story, we all have stories, don't we? Stories filled with great joys, great hopes, Stories with dreams, and most of our stories have dreams dashed. We have tragedy. We have hardship, difficulty, loss, disappointments, 
Uh, our stories are full of all those things. But in all of our stories, there's moments where God reveals who he is to us. He pursues us. He, he shares with us his desire to save us, to free us, to heal us, to help us, to give us hope. Uh, I remember one Saturday morning in Minnesota, I went out with a few friends and we went to go knock on doors and uh, share Jesus with people. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting. I, I figured out that the best time in Minnesota to go knock on doors is when it's really cold because then people feel sorry for you <laughs> and they invite you in and you might get a cup of coffee out of the deal. But uh, one cold morning we were out and I approached a house and the, as I got near, I could hear yelling and it was angry yelling and it was a woman and man and they were fighting and uh, I thought, uh oh, this is going to be interesting. And uh, I felt like I need to ring the doorbell and knock. And so I did. And, and uh, uh, there was a big pit bull that came to the door. And I thought, uh oh, this is really going to be interesting. And, uh, and then the guy came to the door. He was a, a big, strong, young man, looked really tough. And, uh, and, and he had angry look on his face. And I just said, hey, I just wanted to stop by and tell you God loves you, man, and I'd love to share with you about it. And uh, he just looked at me, just stared at me, and then he began to cry, and he said, come in, please come in. And so I walked in his house, and his young wife was there, and she was sitting on a couch, and I sat down with them, and, and, and they said, man, we've, we've been fighting. Our lives are just totally messed up. Tell, tell, us, tell us why you're here. And so I just shared the good news. I shared why Jesus came in the world to save us, to, to deliver us, to give us new life. And they both broke down and said, we need this. We need Jesus. And so right there in that living room, we held hands and we got on our knees and we asked Jesus to come and to fill their lives and give them new life. Well, that wasn't the end of the story because um, I invited them to study the Bible with me and to church and we began to get to know them and, and there was a lot of ups and downs. It wasn't easy. There was some rough, tough things, a, a past and gangs and, and, and violence and all, all kinds of messy things, but, but real transformation began to take place. And just like that day where I went in and it was yelling and, and, and fighting and anger and God transformed that to love and peace and joy. God began to see that in their lives. And, and Luis learned how to love his wife. He learned how to share God's grace with his kids and love his kids. And, and we saw a, a, a transformation take place in their lives. And for me, the, the joy was uh, several years later, they, they had been with us for a few years and, and, and we had seen this transformation, but they felt called to go to a different state for, to follow a job. And, and, uh, and he called me every once in a while, but about a year after they had left, he called me and said, um, and asked, how, how are you guys doing? And he told how they were doing. And he said, hey, I found a great church, and, and I'm, I'm part of this body of believers, and I'm still following Jesus. And he said, today, we're getting ready because we're going to go out to the streets and start sharing Jesus with people. And I said, wow, that is so amazing. And, and, and for me to be able to see the power of God, when, when it says this is the power of God, it's, it's real power in real people's lives. And we all have those stories, but, but sometimes God gives us the privilege of sharing it with someone else and seeing the transformation. And, and as Paul invites us to be unashamed, I saw Luis, his 
identity shift to being a child of God's, to being a son of God's and unashamed to tell the whole world about what Jesus had done for him. God does that. God does that. In verse 26, it says, before it says, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings. And so this message wasn't something we could come up with on our own. God revealed it. God makes it known to us. He pursues us. He uses other people. He uses different things in our lives. But what he most uses is what? The prophetic writings, the scriptures. That's why every Sunday, and not just Sundays when we gather here, but when we gather in our small groups, when we gather maybe one or two, at the center of what we do as followers of Jesus is we open the word of God together. Because God reveals it to us. He makes it known to us. One of the titles Jesus has is the Word. He is the Word of God. And God's revealed to us these words that have power to change and to show us who God is and who we're meant to be. And so as this is revealed and this mystery is that Christ has come that for ages past, people didn't understand who the Messiah, the Savior was, and now God has revealed who He is that he is the one who came to save us through the cross and the resurrection. And the, and the goal is for all the Gentiles, the, the word there is really the nations. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, how God's intention is every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language to be for, before the throne of God. This message is meant not just for a few, but for all. All are invited to come, and many will come some will not. Some will not receive it. But those who have faith. And Paul began this letter by saying, this message of the good news of Jesus is a message of grace and faith. And the righteous will live by faith. And so what marks us as followers of Jesus is not our own personal goodness, our own morality, our own abilities to do different things. What marks us is that we have received an incredible gift and we have believed it we have accepted it we have we are convinced that what God has said is true we're convinced when God says that there is a resurrection that we we are we are holding on to that we have staked our lives on that and that faith produces a new life a life of obedience a life of holiness a life of blessing in our lives and so God has revealed it we have received it by faith I want to read to you something Brennan Manning said about this kind of faith. He says, The splendor of a human heart that trusts, it is loved unconditionally, gives God more pleasure than a Westminster Cathedral, the Sistine Chapel, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Van Gogh's Sunflowers and the sight of 10,000 butterflies in flight, or the scent of a million orchids in bloom, trust is our gift back to God. And he finds it so enchanting that Jesus, I love how Brennan Manning says that, and then he goes on to say, ruthless trust ultimately comes down to this, faith in the person of Jesus and hope in his promise. You see, we were created to have faith, to trust God. And this becomes the basis of a, a living relationship with the creator of the universe. He's the creator, we are the created. But he wants to share his ever-increasing glory with us. <laughs> See, we weren't meant to just live 
in the mundane, in the, in the despair of, of meaninglessness. This world is chasing many things that have no meaning, things that don't last. No, we were created for a greater glory, a glory that lasts forever, a glory that's ever increasing. And so our, 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 our value, our worth comes from God himself. This isn't something we discover on our own or we create on our own. This is something that's given to us. And so because of this, and when we trust this, and we believe in this, this produces hope and life for us. And so trust, faith, is the mark of the people of God. And then in verse 27, we see the final declaration of praise. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So the Westminster Confession says, asks the question, what is the chief end of man? What is, what is the ultimate goal of life? It's a big question. And the Westminster Confession answers it this way, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. (laughs) I love that. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. We were created for joy. We were created for happiness. That's why we pursue so many things, right? We love food. We love art. We love adventure. We love creating beautiful things. All of that is good, but it's, 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 it's a poor attempt for those things. They're, they're, they're good things that we grasp for, but, but what we were ultimately created for was God's glory, an enduring glory, an increasing glory, a glory that cannot be measured, an, an immeasurable, supreme glory. And when we realize that glory and we live for that glory, we find true meaning and we find true joy. We find true pleasure in him, and not only in him, in everything he has made. All of a sudden, I heard someone say that before they received Christ, it seemed like the world around them was gray, and they received Christ, and it was like everything popped with color, (laughs) and I've had many experiences like that where I've been in the presence of God, and I've looked up at the sky, and I've seen the sky in a new way, and I've looked at people in a new way. I see people the way God sees them. And, and we get these little glimpses of clarity, these little glimpses of beauty, but that's only found where? In the glory of God. When we live for the glory of God, we realize that we were meant for a life of praise. Gratitude flows out of our mouths. It flows out of our lives. We become grateful people. We become praising people because we, we have encountered him who's worth more than anything else. We find that he is the greatest treasure. We find that there is nothing that compares to his worth. In fact, that's what the word worship means, to give worth. And we do that through singing, but not just singing in our work, in our family life, in everything we do, we can bring glory in our eating, in our drinking, in our relationships, in everything we do, we can bring him glory because we see his worth, we see the treasure that he is. And so I think Romans ends with this incredible question, will we treasure God above all else? Will we live for his glory? Will we find our love and our joy and our hope and our freedom and our forgiveness and our confidence, our identity, our peace in Him? That's the question. That's the message. And and it's not forced upon us. We're invited. (laughs) We're invited to come and to receive and find that He is glorious, that He is worthy 
of all our praise. We're going to take communion this morning, and I, I love doing this. This is the, the center of our, our worship as followers of Jesus, and I love that it's a meal because we all need to eat to live, and so, and it's tangible, it's physical. And it's a reminder, as Romans 8 says, that our salvation isn't just spiritual, it's physical. Uh, in Romans 8, it tells us that all creation is groaning, longing for its redemption. And, and God starts with us, but the goal is not just to save us spiritually to go to heaven, but to save us physically, and not just us, everything that's good in this world. God's going to redeem everything that's good in this world. And, and the good things are physical things. <laughs> eating, enjoying creation, enjoying each other. These are physical things that God has created good and he's redeeming. And communion reminds us that God is saving everything. Our bodies, our souls, our spirits, everything we are, our minds are being saved, are being redeemed. God's making us new, a new creation. And the meal reminds us of this reality and it reminds us of the cost for it to become a reality. There had to be a cost. And the cost was Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the, the creator of everything, to be crucified, to be nailed to a cross. In doing so, he took on all the pain and the suffering, the violence, the war, the fights, the arguments, the, the, the greed, the lust of this world. He took it upon himself. And not just of the world, but each one of us. All of our sin was laid upon him, the Lamb of God. He took it <laughs> because he could. He was able. What we were unable to do, he did. He paid the price. He gave us the hope that we could be forgiven. And so it's at this meal that we remember the state of brokenness we live in, but remember that Jesus' body was broken to break brokenness forever, <laughs> to, to end suffering, to end pain, to end disappointment, to end despair, and to give life. His body was broken so that our bodies could be made whole and new. And then his blood was spilled because his blood signifies all that was righteous and good, that God created life. But his blood was spilled to be a perfect sacrifice, to atone, to create a new covenant, a new promise that we would re be redeemed, not based on what we could do, but based on who God is, that his perfect love, his perfect ability to keep a promise despite what we would do or say, he made it possible through the shedding of his blood. And so I'm gonna invite the servers to come forward. And what I would like you to do is, is take uh, the bread and take the cup, hold on to it, and we're gonna take it all together in a few minutes.